Welcome to PPC 101, the show that trains and teaches you the fundamental basics and news about paid digital marketing. Get informed, enlightened, and inspired with our hosts who will give you all the beginner's information you need. Listen for our weekly tips and learn from our expert marketers. Cranberry Radio proudly presents PPC 101 with your hosts, David Ogletree and Amber Terrell. Welcome to PPC 101 on Cranberry.fm. I'm your host, David Ogletree from WME Training. And I am your co-host, Amber Turrell from White Coat Digital. We were both kind of sick last week. Man, this pollen, I'm telling you, if if y'all think that the most dangerous thing in Texas is the government or cowboys or cannibals, you're wrong. It's tree pollen. It's out to get us. <laughs> Yeah, we both, we both, you sound a lot better and I think I do too. Um, I was telling you the, a while ago on the phone that I still have uh, stuff floating in my ears. It's driving me nuts. I feel like I'm being surrounded. Do you know, don't you feel like we're back in grade school again where you just have a constantly runny nose? Like you're that child on the <laughs> playground running with a constantly runny nose. That's uh, me right now. Oh yeah, I understand. Actually, I'm doing pretty good except for the ear thing. Good, but, good. Uh, now that we have the pity party portion of our show wrapped up. I just want to thank everybody for listening to our to our new podcast on Cranberry Radio. We've already had some great feedback. And if you like the show, you can always leave comments on our uh, on our blog, ppc101.show, and on our PPC account, ppc101podcast. And um, this week, we're going to be having a guest. Um, it's going to be AJ Wilcox. He's an expert in LinkedIn, and uh, we'll be getting to him right after the news. So I guess I'm going to go ahead and start off and start reading, uh, talking about the news today. Awesome. Um, Google has released what they call their yearly bad ads report. They took down 1.7 billion ads, which is nearly double of what they took down in 2015. And this actually goes to what we talked about last week about um, you know getting Google slapped. So 1.7 billion ads got slapped last week or last year. And... Um, it had a lot to do, um, well, just in general, they've just been a lot, you know, they spent a lot more time, you know, doing this. But there's a couple big things that they did. They um, they made an announcement last year that you could no longer advertise payday loans along with, you know, guns and different things that you weren't allowed to from the very beginning or for quite some time now. So payday loans were banned last year. And also they had a thing called trick to click. So there were some ads, I, I guess they're talking about display ads, where um, the ad would automatically open up the, um, you know, your iTunes store and automatically, you know, because I've done that. I've, I've been searching around on apps sometimes, and all of a sudden the, the iOS store is open, you know, the iTunes store is open. And so they've been getting rid of people trying to do that um, and a lot of other things. So they, they basically just really... Uh, crack down on just getting everybody from all these bad ads, uh, people trying to do all kinds of illegal things, uh, people doing cloaking. Um, they'll show Google one thing and show the, uh, the visitor or something else. Um, people who are trying to do payday loans, because uh, you still see payday loan ads because Google is fighting an endless battle with these people. Um, you know, they, they got rid of, you know, obviously quite a few of them, but they're still dealing with that. Uh, yeah. People are, don't want to give up that ads. 
And the next thing we're doing, we're testing, uh, they're testing green ad labels. Now, if you notice, they're already green, actually. But what they have is a gr- uh, green background and a white letters that say AD right next to every one of your ads. Well, they're changing that or they're testing a new feature where it looks like an outline, a green outline and green lettering and a white background. So that's something I've seen pop up a few times um, every once in a while. Uh, in the new and different websites are, are talking about seeing it. Um, it kind of comes and goes. They still haven't switched over. They haven't made up their mind. I guess they're still testing it. Another thing that is really amazing that I, I have seen that Bing announced. They got some Bing news. We don't normally have Bing news. Um, Bing has a feature. They've always had this. You can import your AdWords ads over to Bing. Well, some people apparently do this on a fairly regular basis, so they don't really work in Bing very much other than maybe bids, but for everything else, they do all the work in uh, Google and then just manually import it over every time and just tell them to update things that have changed from the update. Bing has now added the ability to schedule this. So now you can actually just, you know, whatever you do in Bing and AdWords will now be just moved over at a certain schedule, whatever you set that to be. And that's a really neat feature for people, for people who do that. Um, now, there's another thing on Search Engine Land. They had an article um, that talks about another article. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, there's a report made by a company called Merkle. And so they kind of uh, they do a report of all the, all the changes that are happening at Google AdWords and uh, all the different advertising changes over each quarter. And so one of the things that they've pointed – and you can go – we'll have that linked on our blog, but it's got a whole lot of stuff in there. I'm just going to cover a few things. One of the things is that, you know, the mobile clicks are still up, still going up. Also, 62% on phones and by 30% on desktops. So that's the PLA spend has increased that much by 62% on phones and 30% on desktops. And so so PLAs are playing a big role now. Um, Anybody who's worked in um, shopping feeds has noticed, or just whoever sold stuff in AdWords without shopping feeds has noticed that things have gone down. So you really have to get in. If you didn't want to do shopping feeds, you almost have to now. It's getting kind of, they're just really replacing uh, um, a lot of advertising and, and normal advertising because, you know, the when they're on some of these shopping-related terms like buy something, you know, the shopping results come up first. And you can't get in those unless you have a shopping feed. So that's one of the big things that's really going on. And that's all I have for the news. Um, now I want to go ahead and introduce my guest. We have a guy named A.J. Wilcox. He's a LinkedIn specialist. And he's uh, kind of like me. He's a trainer and a consultant as well. He has, uh, he's worked in digital marketing for the last 10 years, and he started B2Link.com in 2014, and he lives and works in the beautiful state of Utah, and, and uh, he has um, done a lot of stuff in the LinkedIn category. He, um, he just lives and breathes LinkedIn, and this show, I really wanted to talk about LinkedIn ads, and um, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce AJ Wilcox. Hello, are you there? Yeah, I sure am. David, thanks so much for having me on the show. That's great. So um, tell me a little bit about your history. You said you've been working in digital marketing for about 10 years. I think you. I think I read somewhere where you've been doing the LinkedIn ads since 2011. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's probably been about that long. I, I started out doing AdWords and SEO and had a lot of passion for SEO early on. And then here about five years ago, I stumbled onto, uh, uh, on, like, I, I started to work for a B2B company and that was my first 
foray into B2B. And then of course, LinkedIn uh, ended up playing a giant role for me in, in B2B ads. But since then, felt really fallen in love with social, love Facebook ads, love Twitter ads, uh, but LinkedIn is really my bread and butter. Cool. So my first question, and I think, because this is new to me and Amber as well, right, Amber? It is new to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I speak for both of us, AJ, when I say that David and I have played around with LinkedIn ads a bit, but neither of us are experts. Fantastic. Yeah, We're going to have a great conversation. Actually, I haven't even played around with them. I literally know nothing about LinkedIn ads. <laughs> Lord, you are behind this curve, my friend. AJ's about to school you. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll take it easy. For me and probably for a lot of our, our listeners, how how do LinkedIn ads work and how do they compare to like, because we all we know AdWords, that's kind of the bread and butter of the show. How do they compare to that? Where do the ads show? How does that, what's the basics? Sure. So uh, tons of questions here. Uh, keep me on point and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I get to all of them. Um, difference between AdWords and LinkedIn ads. Uh, the biggest part is going to be on AdWords, you're bidding on keywords, but on LinkedIn, you're bidding on audience segments. Oh. So for instance, uh, you can create a campaign and say, I only want these ads to be shown to people in the healthcare industry, uh, to people who have C-level titles of companies that have at least 5,000 employees or you know something along those lines. And uh, to go back a little bit, the the whole reason why I got really excited about LinkedIn ads is early on at a technology company, I'd have the sales team come to me and say, AJ, give us leads. And so I'd go on AdWords and I'd send them a glut of AdWords leads. And they always came back with two pieces of feedback. The first were, thanks, all these leads are hot because obviously there's intent behind them. Uh, but they'd always follow it up with a but, but can you qualify these guys a little bit more? Because we're talking to the proverbial janitor and the CEO and everyone in between. Can you send us just leads from, let's say, the CEOs or, or upper management? And uh, the obvious answer there is, well, I can't with AdWords, but with LinkedIn, I can I can be really specific about who I'm showing ads to, but I lose mm -hmm. that intent. So it's definitely a, um, you know, a pluses and minuses there. So is it closer to like Facebook advertising? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Facebook ads is probably the closest parallel. So um, are they display ads or are they text ads or both? Uh, a little bit of both. So back in 2008, they launched LinkedIn ads with these right rail text ads. They looked really similar to, to AdWords. I'm sure the entire system was pretty much based off of AdWords. I'm sure they poached LinkedIn or sorry, uh, Google employees at LinkedIn to help build it. And what you got was a 25 character headline, a 75 character ad line. So they give you five extra characters and then you get a little 50 by 50 pixel image that's since been changed to an 80 by 80. Um, and then back in 2013, they gave us something called sponsored content, which is very much akin to uh, to like a promoted post on Facebook. Comes right in your newsfeed. It's native, uh, it, very content heavy. So it looks so. So the native ads look just like somebody posted an article. One of my friends or connections posted something. Yeah, if you go to to linkedin.com right now and look at your feed, usually it's the second item down. The only difference is it will say sponsored underneath it, but otherwise it'll look exactly like content that's been shared by one of your connections. Oh. So AJ, just out of curiosity, what do you think the major differences are between sponsored content on LinkedIn and on something like Facebook? 
you know, I, I'm obviously big on LinkedIn, but I'll be the first one to admit that because I'm in B2B, I care about who someone is and their ability to purchase way more than I care about any platform. So I'm, I'm, I won't fanboy out on LinkedIn and say, this is the only network you should be advertising on. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, if you have a filter that allows you to find audience on Facebook, great, do it. If you have the same filter on LinkedIn, great, run them both. Um, what I have found is that when you're looking at, uh, when you're doing audience discovery on Facebook, they, they give you some really cool filters like job title, company name, company size, company industry. But what they don't give you is a lot of people who've entered that into that their profile. People just view Facebook as being very personal. And so when you start building these audiences, you can hit the right people, but you just end up with these tiny audiences that it's hard to scale, hard to spend much budget on. But LinkedIn, I mean, you put that all, all that information in when you create your first profile. And so you just get these audiences that are pretty much every white collar employee you're going to have access to. Awesome. So how, how does LinkedIn ads work and, uh, and what are the different types of PPC that they have? Do they have, you said there's, there's just those two. And they actually just introduced a third one. So now we have what are called sponsored in-mails. And my guess is both of you have probably received one of these at one point. What, what you'll do is you'll get a message in your LinkedIn in-mail box and it'll, it'll say sponsored on it and it'll be from some company, someone that you're not already connected to. And we just barely got access to this like a month ago, maybe. So this, this is new, but these aren't PPC. These are cost per send. Uh, so yeah. that goes to someone's box and you pay whether or not they open it, whether or not there's an impression, whether or not they've read it, whether or not there's a click. So those, uh, they end up to be about like 65, 75 cents per send. Um, so depending on how good you can make your messaging, they can be great performers or they can get really expensive. Yeah. So this is not something you're going to send out to a million people. It gets expensive fast. I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're going to do a million people, sponsored content is probably your best bet. Right. Yeah. I've been um, working a little bit LinkedIn lately and um, those are definitely some things I need to start doing. Um, who are LinkedIn ads for? I mean, you, you mentioned B2B and then Facebook's probably closer to B2C. I mean, is that, uh, what kind of companies generally you're going to be using LinkedIn ads. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of companies, uh, you know, smaller companies, larger companies, really sophisticated people, not very sophisticated people. And I took a lot of people on at the beginning of when I started my company, uh, because I wanted to find out who this works for and who it doesn't. Cause if you go on and, and search the internet for any feedback about LinkedIn ads, everyone's going to say the first, the, the, you know, same two things. Number one is going to be, uh, they're too expensive and number two, they don't work. And so we realize they're expensive. So we're, we just use them for really like high value types of conversions. But the, the second one is it doesn't work. Well, my goal is to go and find out, okay, did it not work because they didn't know how to work the platform? Cause it's kind of hard to use, uh, or did it not work because you're not the right company for it? And what I found is that if you're in B2B lead gen, um, you sell a product or a service who the, the average deal size or the lifetime value is over about $15,000, then you're going to be successful. If you're send, if your product or lifetime value is much under $15,000, then LinkedIn ads are probably just going to be expensive for you. And you should probably stick to AdWords and Facebook ads. Oh, wow. Okay. That's very different. <laughs> oh, and then I'll add on top of that, that recruiting absolutely kills it. Any white collar recruiting on LinkedIn, 
I mean, you just, you can target people who already have the job title that you're hiring for. Maybe they have the job title right above and, and they'd consider, you know, jumping down to a bigger company. Maybe they have the one right below and you're, you know, you could give them a little bit of a promotion, um, show them ads, send them to a landing page, not the normal job rack that has job rack X, Y, Z must be able to work in dim lighting and carry 20 pounds, but give them a landing page that makes the position feel special. And you'll, you'll have insane conversion rates and, you know, uh, applicants coming in for much less uh, than your recruiters could be getting them for. So if you're already doing, um, you know, kind of the, uh, the normal stuff, like, you know, using sales navigator and, and different things, just trying to contact people. Um, how does that work? How would you connect that with your ads? How, how do they work together? I mean, obviously together they work even better than just one by themselves, right? Um, you'd think so. So the problem is that 60% of LinkedIn's revenue, uh, comes into their recruiter platform. And so sales navigator and ads really don't get that much attention. So because of that, the integration between the two is not strong yet. I have heard that because of the Microsoft acquisition, that's something that's going to be on the plate. Um, you know, where you're going to be able to do something like generate an ad, uh, a lead from an ad and then have it immediately go into uh, in as a contact in sales navigator. So that's coming at some point, I believe. Um, but r- just right now we don't have that yet. Well, actually what I meant as far as doing the work, I mean, cause uh, I mean, even if you don't do, cause I, I don't do ads, but I've used sales navigator and I've been in there. And so if people who don't know sales navigator is a, a, a monthly service fee where you can go in there and, um, add people as leads and uh, and you could probably describe a little better than that Kent uh, than I can. Well, yeah, it's basically like the upgraded version of LinkedIn where you get access to search for anyone, reach out, you have a certain number of of emails that you can send which are straight emails to someone that you're not already connected to. We as the rest of LinkedIn, even without premium accounts, we can send unlimited messages to people that we're connected to, but with Sales Navigator, you can send messages to people that you're not connected to yet. Right. So what I meant was combining that work because, you know, if someone's doing that and then they start doing ads, how would that work together in the sense of how they would help each other? Like, you know, SEO and PPC actually have, uh, you know, correlation between each other. Is there anything like that as well in LinkedIn? Yeah, we've actually noticed this quite a bit. So if you have a sales team or anyone doing some organic LinkedIn work where they're reaching out to people, if we start advertising, the conversations all start differently. The conversations start like, oh, I've heard of you guys. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear more. Um, So yeah, doing them together, it it really just gets you top of mind and and adds some legitimacy to you uh, so that when someone reaches out directly, they're going to have a better reception. Right. And so can you talk a little bit more about the uh, lifetime value? How do you figure that out? And uh, what kind of companies, I mean, I guess someone like me, who's a consultant and you as well, that's a lifetime value. If someone comes at $1,200 a month, then we kind of add that up to, to 15,000 or. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, the problem with lifetime value in B2B is you're talking about lots of SaaS companies that just don't understand yet. Um, you know, they haven't had customers long enough to know how long someone's going to say stay subscribed. And so everyone's taking guesses right now at their lifetime value. But yeah, if, if you're, if you're old enough, if you and I have, have uh, generated enough leads, generated enough sales that we know that someone's going to stick with us for eight months or a year and a half, we can do that math. But early on, you really do have to just take a guess. 
And so when you mean when you talk about 15,000, how does that uh, what is the average cost of advertising? What I mean, like uh, I have a lot I work with a lot of small companies and AdWords, we might have, you know, anywhere from 600 to $5,000 a month in AdWords spend. Um, is that kind of comparable to what ad, uh, LinkedIn will be? Or is there much more or much less or? Well, you know, in AdWords, obviously, it depends on the vertical, depends on how competitive those keywords are. In LinkedIn, the comp- the competitiveness level is, is actually pretty level um, among types of, of, of professionals. So, for instance, if I'm targeting IT folks, I know I'm probably going to pay somewhere between about $7 and $9 per click. And so, for a month... I'm probably going to tell them, you know, you really should be spending between three and five K to test out this audience. Whereas you might be targeting school teachers and end up with $3 cost per click and go, okay, we can probably only spend, you know, 1500 and still by the end of the month, get statistical significance around our conversion rate. Well, that's great. I want to talk to you a little bit more, but we need to take a little break and we'll be right back with AJ Wilcox on PPC 101. Time to pay homage to our sponsors. More PPC 101 when we come back. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. We're back to bring you the basics of digital marketing on PPC 101, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to PPC 101 on Cranberry.fm. I'm your host, David Ogletree from WME Training, and we have our co-host, Amber Turrell from White Coat Digital, and our guest today is A.J. Wilcox from B2 Linked. Awesome. AJ, I just want to thank you again for coming on today. I, I got to say, this has been 
such a great show so far. And I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I've learned so much about LinkedIn already. So what I want to do, AJ, is just ask you maybe some beginner level questions, because keep in mind, a lot of the people who listen to the show are people who don't really have, have a lot of experience with pay-per-click just yet, or, or maybe are completely new to the game. So what would be your best advice for LinkedIn newbies to get started and to get their clients or themselves on LinkedIn? Yeah, great question. So initially, what I tell people is figure out who your best audience is. So you may say something like, you know, our our product or service is purchased by directors, but maybe managers are helping influence that decision, or maybe the CMO is helping influence that. Well, forget about the influencers for right now. Just go to the direct purchaser, start with a very small audience, uh, LinkedIn's going to tell you that you should put between 60,000 and 600,000 people in an audience. That's just because they want you to spend money. Uh, I'm going to tell you, start with a much smaller audience, somewhere between, let's say, about 10,000 and 30,000 people in it. And uh, give them your very best offer. Because I think initially when you're testing a new platform and a new channel, what you want to do is find out what it's capable of. So if you have an offer that's already performed well, um, and when I say offer, I'm generally talking about a content offer that you might give someone like a white paper or uh, or a free webinar or an ebook, something like that. Give them the best offer that's performed in the past and give it to your most direct audience let's say spend between uh, you know, $1,000 and $3,000 on that audience um, and, and just see how it's performing. And you know, if it's, if it's not performing well and you're giving it your best stuff, it may not be the right channel for you. And so you can hurry and get out and cut bait before it just gets crazy expensive. That is great advice. So what kinds of offers do you see succeeding on LinkedIn? You mentioned a little bit earlier that you've seen recruiters do really well, but is there anybody else that just seems to kill it on this network? Yeah, I mean, um, the stat I've heard, and, and don't quote me on the exact amount, but I think it was something like like 85% of white papers get downloaded, but don't ever get read. So we look at something yeah. and we're like, oh, the six things in sales that you're failing at. And you're like, that sounds cool. I should read that. And then you click download and then never come back to it. Um, so I feel like to a certain degree, the asset, as long as you're really in tune with what your audience wants, you're giving them uh, something that sounds really, really good to them, really attractive. I, I think that's going to be best. And obviously the content has to, has to follow through like the content. If someone actually does read it, uh, I feel bad saying that, but if someone actually does read it, it's gotta be good. Um, yeah. So that's what I would start with. It, the best content that I've found is going to be something with an attractive title that helps solve a problem that they're facing. That's awesome advice. So when when people get these downloads, do you encourage having some type of CTA in the download to get people further engaged or maybe put them deeper in a funnel than they'll be just by downloading the PDF? And if so, what does that CTA look like? Yeah, yeah, excellent. So you know, obviously most of whom I'm working with is going to be B2B. And so once someone becomes a lead, they're going into a CRM and they're going to be followed up with email and probably by a sales team at some point. Uh, they may need to get a little bit further down the funnel before a salesperson actually reaches out. Um, but so that's happening. And then on the ad side, I'm always recommending that you have retargeting set up. And my dream team of retargeting is going to be uh, the Google Display Network. Um, so Google AdWords remarketing and uh, and Facebook ads, custom audiences. 
if you layer both of those on and say, everyone that I'm driving from LinkedIn, I know so much about them. I know that they're exactly the right person we want to talk to. Let's uh, let's retarget them. Let's pixel retarget them on both of those networks. So they're around the web. Google GDN is going to pick them up. If they're on social, Facebook ads is going to pick them up. And that's going to be um, probably the best way to get that working. And then on top of that, if you want to get a little bit more advanced, I'm going to go and take all of those email addresses that we've gotten from leads, and I'm going to upload those into Facebook custom audiences, uh, Twitter tailored audiences, and AdWords customer match. That is such great advice. Okay. Well, you know, again, this is my own curiosity here, and hopefully – Sating my curiosity will help some members of the audience figure out what to do and not do on LinkedIn. But I just, I kind of want to hear some horror stories. Like what are the worst ads that you've seen or the worst offers or just the, the kind of please do not do this here list for LinkedIn? Oh yeah. So I've got a, I don't know if I have any like crazy horror stories, um, but I do have some things that I've seen people do really poorly that I'll have you uh, definitely avoid. So the first thing is, you know, when you're working on AdWords, you're going to have very specific character restraints. And then the same thing with Facebook ads. On LinkedIn, they'll just let you keep typing. And uh, and so I think a lot of marketers go, cool, I can say anything I want. But the issue is, and this is in uh, sponsored content, um, if you typed too much and it's past it's 128 characters is the in the intro field, if you go past that, LinkedIn's just going to truncate it and show a, a little link that says click here to show more. And what happens is someone starts reading and they're curious about what comes. So they hit show more and that counts as a click on the ad and the user isn't even to your landing page yet. You just paid, yeah. you know, maybe it's, maybe it's six bucks, maybe it's eight bucks, whatever to have someone just reading the rest of what, what you're saying. So uh, my recommendation there would be, uh, be aware of the character constraints. Um, I'll, I'll say it here at, it's hard over audio and the numbers are hard to remember, but 128 characters in the intro, uh, 38 characters in your headline and 155 characters in your description. If you follow that, you're never going to get truncated and all of your clicks will go directly to your landing page. You, you know, what's really funny is the other day on Facebook, I saw an ad and I've never seen an ad like this before on Facebook, but the ad itself was sponsored content that was a long page sales letter, like a long form sales page. Do you, yeah, I I work with those all the time uh, with, with long form sales pages because I work with a funnel company, white coat builds funnels. It's it's most of what we do. But the, the funny thing was that this ad was a billion characters long and people were eating it for lunch. It was hilarious. Like it had, God, I can't even tell you how many it was. It was a, kind of like a self-improvement ad for uh, online learning. And it had so many likes and so many comments and the comments are all just like kissing this guy's behind and how awesome he is. <laughs> so I bring this up because I'm, I'm wondering, is that trend going to go to LinkedIn ever? Do you think, or do you feel that even in a few months from now or a year from now, you're still going to be telling people to try to stay within that character limit and not be exhaustive? You know, the ad itself, um, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to pay 
for the click, I would say you really got to get someone to a landing page. So what yeah. I would, what I would definitely recommend, and I think I will always recommend this is uh, give them just enough in the ad that they understand what it is you're doing. Cause when they're on LinkedIn, they're going fast and they have, there's a lot of competition for their attention. Give them just enough to know what you're offering. And then if you want to send them to a long form sales page, great. But you know, in B2B generally shorter is better. You're respecting their time and saying, you know, look, this is what we're offering. Is this of interest to you? Uh, click yes. If not, like, we're not going to make you scroll down eight pages before there's a, an opt out. Right. You know, one of the th- one of the things we do in AdWords is we have to be mindful of the differences between mobile and desktop users. You know, is there anything like that in uh, in LinkedIn? I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, so with sponsored content, I think on Facebook what I heard is it's like 7 or it's probably like 85% of all users in the feed uh, are mobile users. It's a little bit less on LinkedIn, but it's still really high. I think it's like 65 or 70% of of that traffic is coming in from mobile devices. And sometimes that's an issue. I mean, we don't have the technology on LinkedIn to segment out and say, I only want desktop to view this, or I only want mobile to view this. And we can't bid separately like we can on, on, on AdWords. So, um, I mean, really, if you have a client come to you that has a really bad mobile experience, or they're asking for more fields that people on mobile just aren't going to be able to fill out, um, then what I tell them to do is uh, only use the right rail text ads because those are only shown on desktop. Otherwise, you're kind of stuck. Like you, you have to be okay with your ads being shown both to mobile and desktop users and not being able to, to differentiate between them. So you talked about having, um, you know, the character limits. Is that something you like? An ad, like AdWords gives you, you know, eighty characters for your now in the expanded text ads, but they tell you, well, you probably should make it a little bit shorter because it's going to have problems on mobile. Is that something you consider as well on uh, LinkedIn? Um. I think they'll probably end up doing dynamic types of ads a little bit later. So right now I just, I stick within my character constraints. I've tested going shorter, like for an intro, I get 128 characters, but I've tested only going like 35, 40 and just get the message across. And uh, it it totally depends on the offer, uh, whether or not it's going to work. So nothing definitive to say whether you keep it short or whether you make it long, it's better on the network. So just work with what you have and, and work until you have an offer that is going to convert well. Do they have any, do they have any offers like Google does? Um, like, you know, I can give people a hundred dollars coupon when they sign up with AdWords initially. Does LinkedIn have anything like that? Yeah, uh, they're actually really stingy with their coupons, which is unfortunate to me. I, I feel like I, you know, I'd love to get those coupons and and do kind of the Google agency um, early on. This is probably seven, eight years ago. But um, yeah, so what they'll do is they will send out coupons to people on LinkedIn. But because I have so many accounts associated to my name, uh, they don't send me coupons anymore. But every once in a while, they'll send like a $50 coupon. Is there an MCC type thing or do you have to do it the hard way? Yeah, there actually is an MCC. So the way that it works is when you're managing a, a LinkedIn ads account, what you'll do is you'll go into that account and grant access to someone's personal account. So all I do, I spend you know pretty much all day on LinkedIn. Um, I just log into the ads account and I immediately have a list like an MCC of all the 150 accounts I've got access to. And so they built that MCC type of feature. Uh, it's, it's probably been eight, nine months ago, and I've been very glad they did. That's great. So we talk a little bit about 
starting with a smaller ad spend and then scaling up, what ad spend do you traditionally recommend for new starters? Yeah, I tell people somewhere between about two and five K on any given audience. And so that means that if you can sell your product to IT and marketing and HR, um, you probably want to split it up and make sure that each gets, you know, at least a couple thousand dollars towards it with the one caveat that if it's not working within a thousand dollars, like if you've spent a thousand dollars and you only have let's say five conversions, you know that you're coming in at a $200 cost per lead and that's probably too expensive. And so if that's the case, you can cut it off early or you know, don't spend 5K just because I'm telling you on a podcast to spend 5K. But if you can tell it's working, you just need enough data to prove out and see how well it's working. I'd say between, let's say two and 5K on an audience to prove it out. Does uh, LinkedIn have built-in uh, conversion tracking or you do that yourself? Uh, so I personally do it myself just because I have a really slick reporting solution, uh, like a cool database that I I have an API plugin into Google Analytics. So I do all of my conversion tracking through Google Analytics. Um, but here recently, it's probably been six months ago, LinkedIn finally came out with their own native conversion tracking, which is great. I mean, we people just made fun of LinkedIn ads because it's freaking 2016 and they still didn't have conversion tracking at that point. So I can go in, I can go in like an AdWords and see my stats. I can see how well I've done, how, how an ad is doing. Exactly. Yep. So how, how did you, how are you doing that now? You, you look at everything in your, in your API stuff and your own program. Yeah. So what I have is a, a um, a database and a robot that goes in and downloads every single ad every single day for every single client and throws it into a database. And then I have, sorry, this is getting a little bit technical, but, and then I have a separate spreadsheet that is a list of all of the attributes of every ad we've ever created for a client. And then I have it interface with Google analytics to get conversions. And then I have it interface with Salesforce to get deeper funnel conversions for these B2B folks uh, or you know, some other technology, and then it, it throws it all into one database, and I can query against it in uh, in Excel, and just do a refresh every morning and have all of the the data I'd ever want. So I, I'm not suggesting you go out and and build this unless you're a really sophisticated marketer. But for me, it's a lot of fun. Well, certainly, that's great. So AJ, I know that you kind of got your bread and butter going from doing other forms of pay-per-click, but did you get into LinkedIn kind of more by accident? Like how, how would you suggest somebody do this? This shouldn't really be the first kind of pay-per-click they master, right? Uh, I I think it depends. I mean, if I've seen a lot of people go into uh, an in-house marketing role at a company who's a really good fit for LinkedIn. And in that case, I'd say, okay, probably have someone like at least have a conversation with someone like me who can get you started and make sure you're not making big, you know, big mistakes. But, uh, if, if, LinkedIn is the best channel for you. Yeah, I'd say go ahead and get started there. It's also a good channel to get started on because it's kind of like AdWords circa 2004. I mean, it's like, it's lacking a lot of the accoutrements of of the more modern platforms. So it's a little bit easier to figure out what you're doing. Um, But if you want technology, if you want raw power, obviously AdWords and Facebook ads are going to be the best technology to, to play with. Awesome. Now, I know some of us know, and it's the news has been out there, that LinkedIn was purchased by Microsoft. Um, I, I know you said you can't talk too much about some of the stuff that you know, but in general, do you, do you see that there's going to be a day when um, I can just log into one place and, and do Bing ads and LinkedIn ads as well? Or 
You know, my prediction is yes. And so here's the deal. I've been watching Bing since it was ad center, you know, and sure. um, I watched them take when they built Bing ads from the ground up to within four years being you know, pretty near feature competitive with uh, with AdWords, who is by far the most, uh, uh, what would you call it, like the most advanced ad platform in the world. So I know what Bing Bing Ads is capable of. And now that they're on top of LinkedIn, who has traditionally just ignored the ad side and let it get way behind, my prediction is that, that Bing goes in and goes, oh, we can fix this ad platform and we're probably going to get the one login to be able to do both search and social. We'll probably get to do the equivalent of RLSA audiences where we say we care about the people who are searching for this who also look like this professionally. So I think that's probably where we're going. But no official announcements yet. That's just my prediction. You talked a while ago about um, you know using audiences in um – or retargeting, actually, which is an audience. But uh, how does that work the other way around? Can I use information I have in being in AdWords in LinkedIn, or is it only the only the other direction? Oh boy! Uh, so there's some really cool stuff coming up that because of an NDA with LinkedIn, I'm not allowed to share. But I am. This is the hint <laughs> I'll give. I am beta testing some really really cool stuff along that vein, and that's probably about as far as I can go into that. But stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> well, you could talk about it in the AdWords sense of things because uh, that's obviously not had nothing to do with Microsoft. Okay, so so your question then is asking how you can leverage LinkedIn data uh, when you're advertising on AdWords. Well, no, the kind of the other way around. I, I, you know, I've got a, I'm just, I've done a whole bunch of AdWords. I've got audiences. I've got all kinds of stuff. How can I use that information when I'm starting up my LinkedIn ads? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, one thing you can do, and this this may not be hitting it right on the head, but one thing you can do is take a look at all of your leads, go look up a sample of them on LinkedIn, like maybe you take your top 20, go look them up, and then see what they have in common. So you may find that, hey, our... Uh, our 20 best customers, they all have similar job titles, or maybe the, they all have a certain skill listed in their profile, or maybe a lot of them are members of this certain one group on LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, you can target by job title or skills or groups or industry or company size. And so if you, if you've, you know, been advertising on another channel, you've developed enough leads that you can get a good idea of who's a, a really good customer and who's not. You can take those learnings over and just start targeting those types of people on, on LinkedIn. Is that hitting it close enough or do I need oh, yeah. to go a different direction there? No, that's great. Um, that sounds really good. Great. Well, I don't know, AJ. There's just, I feel almost like we could do another show on this because the well is so deep. <laughs> In, in terms of the stuff that, that we could ask. But I, I guess, what is your typical ROI like on this? Do you have kind of a median that you see? Or I'm, I'm sure that it varies per industry, but are people really going to make their money back if they're the right vertical? Oh, absolutely. They're going to make their money back. I, I mean, if you're that type of customer who, you know, you're making 15K off of a deal or more, LinkedIn's going to be a no-brainer for you. You're just going to have to test and figure out what type of content you have to show people and and you kind of have to tune your sales team. But I I, I hate the ROI, and this is nothing against you. I hate the ROI question because I actually get this quite a bit. And <laughs> uh, and what it what it really comes down to is on social, your ROI is entirely dependent on how good your uh 
your sales team is and how efficient that offer is at converting someone. So someone could come to me and they they're, they fit everything else, but their sales team sucks f- at following up at their leads or, uh, or, you know, the sales team's amazing, but they have an offer that they can't get anyone to convert on. And of course, like they're just, uh, it's going to be a, an absolute waste of money. So I, I'd say, you know, my recommendation is because LinkedIn is a little bit more of an expensive platform. I tell people start on Facebook ads, learn your licks when you're only paying like 80 cents to a buck 50 for a click fit, you know, show those types of leads to your sales team because they are more of a mid to top of funnel type of lead, introduce them to your sales team, get them used to, to following up on those types of leads, get used to the types of content that people engage with. And then once you have that, sure, migrate over to LinkedIn and you should see ROI. If you're not, you're doing something wrong and, and you know, you have more problems with that. You, you, you got to fix that. And that's not just your LinkedIn traffic. You're going to have the same issues with all social traffic because they, they're right. all lacking that intent that you'd get with AdWords or Bing ads. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We actually need to go ahead and take a break and we're going to come back with a little bit of some tips and uh, thank you so much for coming. Oh, it was a huge pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. We'll be right back on PPC 101. Time to pay homage to our sponsors. More PPC 101 when we come back. Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrand. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero, and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. We're back to bring you the basics of digital marketing on PPC 101, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to PPC 101 on Cranberry.fm. I'm your host, David Ogletree from WME Training, and my co host, Amber Turrell from White Coat Digital. That was a great interview. What didn't you think so, Amber? Yes, we heart AJ. Please let's have AJ back. Yeah. So this is the part of the show where we're going to do tips and I'm going to kind of 
to do a little training and we're going to talk about campaign settings in AdWords. A lot of people don't understand some of these settings and some of the ramifications. Some people take the defaults. There's several of them that are just not great. It's def- default. The default settings are bad and you really don't need to do them. So I'm going to kind of just go right into this. And, um, you know, when you go into your, when you're setting up your campaign for the first time or you already have an existing campaign, you, um, you go to your all settings. And um, the first thing you're going to talk about is the type of campaign. And uh, whenever you're picking this, I've seen a lot of accounts that will go and they'll pick something other than all features. Um, well, well, there's all features and standard. And so one of the things you got to be careful with is standard is kind of the old way that Google did things. And I think it's mostly for backwards compatibility. Um, you always can pick all features and you could turn off what you don't want to. So go ahead and make sure you use all features because you lose a lot of functionality um, by doing the standard. And of course, the other kinds are very specific, like mobile and call only and dynamic search. Now, obviously, if you're going to do that, pick one of those. And of course, another rule that I always say about campaigns is you don't want to mix and match stuff. You want to have a search campaign and you want to have a display campaign. You don't want to, even though they allow you to do it, it's highly recommended to not do that. You want to keep them separated because generally a display network is going to have a ridiculously low CTR and then your search campaign is going to have a much higher one. And when you look at the stats, it won't make any sense. Um, I mean, you could do whatever you want, but that's that's just really the best practices that a lot of people do. And I think everybody I've ever talked to suggests the same thing. Now, the next one, next one is called the uh, networks. You can add Google Search and then Google Search Partners. Obviously, you're going to do Google Search. That's You can't do one. You have to do that. Now, the other one is Search Partners. I generally turn this on just to see because it's really not that much traffic. And what that means is they're going to show your ad on Google. And where, where else are they going to show it, Amber? Oh, God, all over the place. Ask, AOL. What are the other ones? Yeah, those are the big ones, AOL and Ask. And AOL does yeah, still bring a lot others. of traffic. It and does, so, believe it or not. Even though when you see somebody with an a- AOL email, you're like, lol. So they don't give you a whole lot of control over this. It's on or off. Um, and as we talked about a long time ago, that used to automatically put you in some of these things. So it's nice to have that choice now. Um, next thing I want to talk about is... Um, you know the, your location options. You can target in my targeted location, or you can target. You can also do people in searching for or who show interest in my targeted location. That's everybody. Now you can say people in my targeted location, which means if I am bidding on roller skates, um, if someone types in, if I'm bidding on the, the exact term roller skates, it's only going to show if people type in roller skates, but if they type in Houston roller skates, then my ad will then start showing to them if I have it set for people in and searching for interest in my targeted location. So you got to be careful with these because um, you can, you'll notice in your geographic report, you'll see like, you know, people coming from Azerbaijan or India or whatever. You're like, well, I'm only targeting Texas. Why in the world am I seeing out there? That's because you have people yeah. in Because somebody in India can type in Houston roller skates and boom, they start seeing your ad because they put the word Houston in there. Um, And then also you can say um, only people that are searching about my location. So they have to type in the word Houston to show up for your ads. So that, that I don't see that one used very often. Have you ever used that one? Not really. No. Yeah. And the other one I don't use very often either is exclude. And it's the same exact situation, the same, the same selections as the one before, but you exclude those people. And so what you might do 
I'm not sure why you would combine the two, but you can do that. I mean, it's it's not something I ever really get involved with. And then, of course, language. Most people default to English in the United States. One thing I do, and I have clients that, you know, they advertise in South Texas or California, and so they might add Spanish. And um, that doesn't mean that your ads are going to be translated to Spanish or anything. You're still, it's everything's going to be normal. It's just if somebody who is a Spanish speaker and who has their computer set up for Spanish, they might... A lot of people speak more than one languages, and so they'll still see your English ad, and they'll still might want to. And you could test that, and you can even set up a separate campaign if you want to to real to really test it. Have you ever done that? I have, and as a matter of fact, one of my favorite clients that I've had for years and years and years, I, I do a lot a little bit of consulting for people outside of White Coat that I've worked with forever. This guy does Spanish language insurance car insurance leads and there are a lot of really interesting different regulations that he has in terms of what keywords can be used what the negatives should be where we can be shown so i definitely do a lot of bilingual targeting but also a lot of the stuff you're talking about like location exclusions and the nitty-gritty it's it's stuff that you don't use often for a general client but we specifically have to use it for this account due to the the call restrictions and such for this vertical. So, I mean, it's it's pretty powerful how you can service a client just across the board based on what their specific needs are. Mm-hmm. Just to remember, basically what you're doing is setting what kind of people you want to see as how their computer is set up. So if right. they have their comp- computer language set up as Spanish, um, even if it's an English ad, they'll see it and any other language as well. And one thing I've done with this setting is I have a brand, since my company name, WME Training, is not uh, generic. So if you have a generic company name, this is dangerous. But you know, WME Training is, is, is very unique to me. So I actually have that as an exact and a phrase match. And then I have all languages, all locations anywhere in the world. So you know, if someone's looking for me, they will find me no matter who they are and what language they speak. Right. And uh, that might be a, you gotta be real careful doing that. Of course, you could spend a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we don't have a whole lot of time left. But one the last thing I want to talk about is delivery method. That's the most important setting, I think. Well, not the most, but it's it's the first thing I look at anytime I ever look at an account is delivery method. So there's two kinds. There's accelerated and standard. By default, it is set to standard. And what that means is Google is going to take your budget. And from experience, they think, well, they're going to run out of budget by five o'clock or four o'clock or, or whatever. So I'm just going to turn their account randomly on and off throughout the day so that it shows ads all day long. That's dangerous. That is like the worst (laughs) way to manage your budget. Um, There are so many other settings and we've talked about many of these settings and we'll talk about them later and other shows as well. But Use any other method than standard. Use accelerated. If you're running out of budget, lower your bids, change your targeting, change change any setting but this one. I mean, there, that is the last resort. I mean, if you just literally cannot find any other way to do it, then do that. But I, I would never, there's always another method. And so that is probably the, the most important thing I could ever say. And I'll probably bring it up again and again because I, I <laughs> it's so important you know, because some people, they're shopping around. You know, they type in, <clears throat> they'll they'll see your ad, they'll go to your site, they'll hit the back button, they'll look at another site, and then they'll search again, 
And all of a sudden, your ad's not there because Google decided to turn it off at that random moment. Um, you need to make sure that you're getting everybody and not just randomly turning your account on and off. Great. Well, I think we're done. What do you think, Dave? We out of here? Yes, it's been a really great show. We th- we want to thank AJ Wilcox for coming on. And um, and don't forget, I- I'm David Ogletree at WMETraining.com. And Amber Turrell is at White Coat Digital. If you need any help with funnels or uh, Facebook advertising or, um, for me, AdWords training. And um, thank you for joining us on PPC 101. You can download our episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm. Or subscribing to our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud, and very soon, iHeartRadio. Thank you very much. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.